Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Tuesday, and welcome to episode 450 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to be talking about how Barbie is likely going to end up making a billion dollars at the box office, especially after an incredibly strong hold from its Sunday to Monday numbers. And let's just say right now, it seems that some of the fears I had into the weekend are likely coming true. In that, again, two possibilities, the only ones that make any sense objectively, either a bunch of people seeing the film are completely oblivious to the things that are in the film, or they actually endorse and support the things in the film. Either case, not... Not good. No bueno. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about some other updates in the box office as well. And we'll have some fun doing it, hopefully. Before we go any further, though, please make sure you smash that like button. That's the fire button. I see smash the rumble button as well. Thank you again for being subscribed to the channel. First off, Abomination hanging out over on Odyssey. Thank you very much for hanging out over there, good sir. I appreciate you so, so very much. Also, before the stream started, wanted to give a shout-out over on YouTube to Wayward Noodle. Wayward Noodle, thank you for the $10 super chat before things got started. Saying, working an event in Vegas. Might miss this live, but we'll catch it later. Thanks for the good work as always. Well, Wayward Noodle, thank you always for the incredible support. You are awesome. I hope that work goes well. We got King Kane Rumski hanging out over on Rumble. What's going on, King Kane Rumski? Thank you very much for being here. By the way, Wayward Noodle, thank you again for that very generous super chat. Appreciate that, man. Here in the steadfast in the chat, what's going on, brother? Thanks for tagging. Again, if you have a comment or question, just put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment, at Odin. Let's know that you're trying to get my attention no matter what platform you are watching on. We got Master of Gaming in the chat as well. None, none, what's going on? Hopefully, what I said earlier made sense about why it actually is a strong drop, and I'll Try to show a couple examples about how that is the case. We got Bruce in the chat. Hail to you, Bruce. Thanks for being here. Cthulhu. What's going on, Cthulhu? Appreciate you being here. This finally saw Barbie. Very beautiful sets with a terrible script and plot. Never a fan of Gosling, but wow, he did a great job. I mean, I've actually liked Gosling in a few things. Thought he was fantastic in Drive, for instance. And even though I personally did not like La La Land because the music's not very good, um, he was not bad in that film. So, yeah, I agree. I think Gosling actually did a very good job for what he was given, you know, for 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 what he was given as far as direction and, and writing is concerned. But overall, yeah, I thought that he was one of the better parts of the film. We got Orange Hour Views, the King Mod in the chat. Hail to you. Appreciate you being here, Orange Chat. Thank you, as always, for enforcing the rules. J.S. Pena in the chat. What's going on, brother? If Lulu tried to say, surprise, no one is mentioning how bad the choreography was. People out of position off time like watching a first take. Well, I think one of the reasons as to why that is likely the case is because they themselves in the film don't take it very seriously. And so I think that that actually might be one of the few times where it's like, okay, I'm willing to grant them that. You know, typically when it comes to a dance sequence, I, I also agree. I think that there should obviously be in-sync choreography amongst other things. But I do think that for what the film is is attempting to do, and I would say attempting very poorly to do, they, in that situation, I think you could give them a pass in that specific instance. 
um, based on how based on how the film actually is in other ways. But yeah, definitely a good point. By the way, I do want to give a shout out. Uh, uh, if you watched the other day, I did a stream on a new channel with two uh, Catholic brothers in arms, and uh, we are the the rigid Catholic nerds. So we did our first stream the other day talking about Sound of Freedom on the Rigid Catholic Nerds YouTube channel. And um, and Anthony, Dr. Stein, good friend of the channel, had recommended a video that was in the works. Finally, it is available from, from actually his wife. So shout out to her. Her channel is called Forgotten Hollywood. And she points out four things in the Barbie film that a lot of people don't seem to be talking about. One of them, as someone that has no knowledge of of the source material in, in any, you know, detailed way. One of the things that I found interesting is she pointed out how, you know, how in the film, for those that have seen it, or for those that have maybe heard about it, there is this character of Alan played by Michael Sarah, And he's the only Alan, you know, turns out he was supposed to be, you know, uh, Ken's best friend. But then again, the film just doesn't even let that really happen. And also this is something that I didn't know. This is something that she points out. He actually is the father of the child. You know how there was the pregnant Barbie? Yeah, it turns out that was Alan's kid. In fact, that's Alan's wife. And in the actual lore, they have kids. And one of the points that she brings out, and I thought it was fascinating, is, did you realize that there's no kids in Barbie land? <laughs> Even though if you actually look to the history and the development of Barbie... There have been kids and there have been characters with storylines with families. For some reason, they decided not to leave any of that in there. And when you add all of that together with every other moment in the film, up until really the very end, when they finally seem to change their tune on it, it's very, very much anti-mother, anti-kid, anti-human in various ways. And I think some people are getting so caught up with the end where it's like, well, at the very end, they they definitely try to promote the father, you know, the mother-daughter relationship. It's, yeah, but you can't just say, oh, this does away with all the other things that happened up until this point. I mean, <laughs> I think I think some people are sipping for this movie way too hard. And uh, it's, it's really sad to see. Really, really sad to see. But if you want to see the video I was talking about, uh, go, go ahead and support it. Again, uh... Friend, friend of the channel's wife, Forgotten Hollywood. She does, again, very good commentary. And I think that her points on that especially are really, really, really good. Let's see. Frank G in the chat. What is going on, Frank G? Thank you very much for being here. King Game Rumption over on Rumble. Thanks for again. Abomination tagged over on Ozzy. said, wasn't there a scene explaining the dolls don't have the body parts? How is one pregnant? That's another great point, Abomination. And I, I'm sure someone would say, well, you're overthinking it. It's a Barbie movie. It's like, bruh, I, I say that about all movies. Whenever someone says, oh, don't think about it, just consume, that's what you're saying. When people say you're overthinking it because it's X, oh, I'm sorry that I expect my films, no matter what the film happens to be, to have a competent story. <laughs> I mean, come on. We used to have standards. What, what happened? What happened? I think some people are getting blinded, in this case, by by the pink Amongst other things. I think some other people might actually be doing it for, for grifting purposes. Because, oh, well, everyone in my space is speaking negatively about it. So I'm just going to go ahead and have an alternate take. Now, whether they are or not, I can't confirm in any way. But that's just how it's coming across. Because it's it's pretty blatant. If you've actually seen the film, it's it's pretty it's pretty darn blatant. Master Gaming Tennessee. One of the reasons Barbie is doing well is because the movie promotes the color pink. And girls love pink. 
That seems very misogynistic, Master of Gaming. How dare you assume and insinuate that all girls love pink? How dare you? How dare you? Greta Gerwig would be very disappointed with you. Did you learn nothing from her movie? <laughs> Great Wuda, what's going on? Uh, I mean, there's enough lectures in the film where if you don't learn something, you must be doing something wrong or you're a misogynist. Keely Chow, what's going on? Keely Chow, time to say, hail. How are you, Baby Thor and the Lady Freya doing? Everyone's doing well. Lady Freya's actually painting right now. Don't worry. Uh, she She's wanting to do this. She has a passion about it. But we're getting Baby Thor's new room ready. So, you know, the old office where, I, where I've moved out of since then, right? It's being converted into into baby thor's new room and then when baby girl gets here in a couple months she'll be in uh in baby thor's old room the nursery it's very well done king of diet coke what's going on king of diet coke i know man i know i don't like the news either (laughs) i mean because as i said it's not even just the principle it's more of the implication because this type of a stronghold that we're seeing right now we'll go ahead and just jump right into it since I know that the, the, the stream and the chat's going to be jumping and hopping and hoolering, hoolering, hopping and hoolering all night. Hooping and hollering. Is that what I was trying to say? <laughs> we'll just go ahead and dive into it. So, of course, the first bit of news has to do with this. So we do have the first Monday numbers out for this past weekend. And in both the case of Barbie and Oppenheimer, right? So the entire Barbenheimer effect is still holding. Uh, they had strongholds. Right, so not only did they come in well over expectations. Remember, Barbie's company, Warner Brothers, thought the film was only going to make seventy-five million, and then it ended up making, when adjusted with the actuals, over one hundred and sixty million dollars. So that's already a huge win for the film. There, but you know, Oppenheimer ended up making over eighty million dollars. Again, well over what they were expecting. Right, a lot of the so-called experts were saying that Oppenheimer was only going to make fifty million. And ended up making over 80. In both cases, they dropped 40% for Barbie, 45% for Oppenheimer. So, Barbenheimer dropping in the 40s percentage-wise from its first Sunday to first Monday. Now, for those that don't understand or need a little bit of a reference, I needed to actually find the reference. Uh, I needed to find the reference as well. If you go ahead and actually look, let me see if I can find Elemental, for instance. If you look at its daily numbers, it had a 34% drop. A 34% drop. Now, that was also off of a very weak opening weekend, but still had a, again, stronghold there with 34%. We know that Elemental, since its opening, has actually been holding relatively strong. Right? We do know that that has been the case. Remember that from week one to week two, it only dropped 38%. So even though the opening weekend was not anywhere close to what it needed to be, it actually, percentage-wise, had some strong holds. Another frame of reference is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Has done very, very well, Right? That one actually saw a 58% drop from its Sunday to Monday. And that was after a strong opening weekend. That film ended up having a 54% drop going into its second weekend. Right? And then we have Transformers Rise of the Beast. And that film ended up dropping 68%. We know this film did not have nearly as strong legs as we saw with these other films. Right? This film dropped 66% in its second weekend. So if we go ahead and look at these percentages, right? 68% for Transformers. Uh, 58% for Spider-Verse and around 30, or sorry, around 34% for Elemental. Again, this is still really early, and so we don't know exactly what the hold's going to be, but we can expect with these kind of numbers, 50% or better for a hold for the upcoming weekend for Barbie. 
If these numbers hold, right, again, I, I said this going into the week, and I said this during the box office breakdown, unless we see a catastrophic drop in its week two, which, again, would instill faith in humanity, would reinstill faith in humanity at this point, um, especially in the 60-plus percent demographic of women who are going to see this movie. It would, you know, make me have faith in them once again if, if that happened, but it's not looking like that's going to happen. As you all know, I make my opinions and thoughts very, very clear, but I'm also very clear on the numbers. I'm always looking at the data and I'm always trying to stay as honest as I can about the data that is actually being presented in front of us. And based on the data that we have right now, right, this is looking like it is going to have an incredibly strong hold. So again, as I said, I would not be surprised to see it drop in the 50s or or better, meaning somewhere in the 30s to 50s range. And even if it only drops in the 50s, even if it only you know holds by 50%, that's still a very strong hold. Seeing that it's one, again, here's the other thing you have to remember, right? It is the biggest box office opening of the year so far. Right. By, by, you know, by quite a bit at this point. And if it again has the holds that we're seeing right now, right now, the Sunday to Monday is showing it's holding. So I know that I wish the word of mouth was getting around. I wish people were waking up to the fact of what this movie actually is. Apparently that does not seem to be the case, whether it's through ignorance or whether it's through complicity. I don't know. Seems to be one of those two things having to be the case. But regardless of any of that. That's why I think and suspect that we're going to see Barbie reaching a billion dollars. Because remember, it did open to well over $360 million, right? When the numbers came in adjusted, I think it ended up being around $360, $366 million for the first weekend. Remember, most films, on average, this is just an average number. So in the case right now with Barbie, it's looking like it's going to be an above average performance. That means that it would make triple what it's opening to uh, open, what it's... Uh, what its worldwide global opening was and triple its global opening is over a billion dollars. And that's on a average hold that's on an average performance. So if the film either performs average or better, it makes not only a billion, but also could make even more than a billion. How much more than a billion? We don't know. Now, again, it's still early. There's still a lot of things that could happen, but based on the data in front of us right now, I'll just say this way, that the chances of Barbie not making a billion are very, very low. Meaning the chances of it making a billion are very, very high. As you all know, I think it's silly <laughs> that a movie like this can do so. And I also made this prediction the other day, I believe it was on the, the Good Morning Asgard podcast stream on Monday, yesterday. But I'll go ahead and mention it again today since a lot of people probably weren't watching then. I'm going to make the prediction right now. I think Barbie is going to be nominated for several Oscars. Now, we all know the Oscars have been a joke for a very, very long time. This is nothing new at this point. But I'm predicting right now, I think Barbie is going to get nominated for Best Director because they got to give the praise to Greta Gerwig, right? Especially if the film is a billion-dollar film, which right now the date in front of us seems to suggest it's going that way, right? So we're looking at it probably getting nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to throw in an acting nomination there. Some of the other technical categories. The only ones that would make sense, again, the Oscars are a joke. The only one that would actually make any sense would be like costume design, production design. I could get that because those are the only good things about the movie are the costuming and the actual production design. That's why when people come out and say, I enjoy those parts, I'm like, hey, at least that makes sense. At least there's a logic to enjoying that. The other things really not, not so much. But I still do think that it's going to happen. So again... Not only do I think the film's going to make a billion dollars, I think that it also, 
and that probably will help it, because remember, you've had films like Avatar in the past get Oscar nominations, even though the films weren't all that great, but hey, they were huge box office makers, huge technical achievements, all that extra stuff, right, that goes beyond the actual movie itself. Right now, I think that's what that's going to be happening with Barbie too, and obviously, they're going to be wanting to praise the movie because they're wanting they're wanting to praise the message of it. And you need to you really need not look further, right? Because again, I think some people are trying to spin it to say, well, actually, it's a very white pilled movie, or it's this or it's that. It's like all you need to do is actually one go to the actual writer of the story, go to actually the the creator herself, Greta Gerwig, go to the things that she has said. Uh, recently has said in the past and also all the people who are going out of the way to support this movie and that tells you exactly what the messaging is again i think that someone can easily play a bunch of mental gymnastics to make it seem like it's something that's actually more compelling and actually more rich than it actually is that doesn't make it true that doesn't make it fact but we're taking away from this again chances of it making a billion dollars are very likely and I think it's almost but guaranteed that it's going to get a lot of Oscars contention. What say you? Head back into the chat. We got Just Joe 47. What is going on, Just Joe 47? Thank you for being here. King and Rumsky over on Rumble says, Serious question. How do you think all of these woke women, directors, producers, etc. took over Hollywood like they did? I mean, I think ultimately most of it stems back to the Me Too movement. Think about it. Think about how many people got impacted by that. And think about the power that again, I know it made it seem at the time of, oh, this is a bad decision for them to come out with their stories because it's the most powerful and elite people in the world that they're going after. And I think that there is some truth to that, right? I definitely think there's some truth to that. I think some women were negatively impacted by that. But also you have to recognize that it also was a power play in many respects. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's one of these hashtags and one of these social movements where it starts off with very good intentions, right? Exposing uh, scumbags. That's a good thing. But then it took on a life of its own and it became a power play. It became political. And so I think honestly, King Ken Rumsky, I, I'm not surprised or would not be surprised if, if we ever look back in history as, okay, when did we start to see any shifting happening? That I think is, is ultimately the biggest thing. Uh, let's see. King of Diet Coke. Thank you, brother. I just saw that you gifted some memberships. I'll be highlighting that in a second. Orange Review says, Barbie equals billion dollar fluke. Again, I wish it was a fluke, Orange Chat, but I'm again, the only way the film is doing as well as it's doing right now is if people are watching it and enjoying it. And as I said, <laughs> the only thing that makes sense in my mind is if people are enjoying it out of ignorance, being ignorant of the actual messaging that's being pushed in the film, or because they are complicit in some form or fashion, because they are supportive of the messaging in some form or fashion. And again, that, that's not me trying to call any anybody specifically, any people specifically evil. I think the movie itself has evil elements to it. But I don't think it's a fluke, man. Because a fluke would mean like, oh, a bunch of people got tricked opening weekend and then they woke up to the fact we're not seeing any of that waking up stuff happening. Just being honest. And I think the best piece of evidence, and I mentioned this last stream too, is this. When you have people in our space, people who are much more sensitive to the culture war, people who are much more aware of the culture war issues that are happening, and even they are starting to come out and defend and say the film is good and try to explain away the clear third-wave feminist agenda that the film pushes from the very beginning until the very end, the only way you get there, right, the only way that you get there, or rather, if you have that there, in the first place, 
if even people who are going to be more aware of these things and more sensitive to these things, if even they are just not seeing it, are just, again, getting inundated and, you know, you know, distracted by other things for all I know, imagine a normie person. Imagine a normie person who's not as sensitive to those things, who when you actually have someone saying the word patriarchy in it, they don't hear it. They don't understand the concept. They don't understand what's going on. So it's not a fluke in that way. Right, if we were seeing massive drop-offs, right? If we were seeing 60 plus percent, if we were seeing Transformers Rise of the Beast level drop from that Sunday to Monday, then we could have a conversation. But 40% hold, that's strong. That's very, very, very strong. So what we're seeing then and what that tells us is no, 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 there's no waking up happening here. It's taken over. And it's again very, very sad. Let's see, J.S. Pena, time to say, Chrissy Mayer thinks that people are judging Barbie too harshly, and that's supposed to be a satire. Do you think she's selling out, or she's just not that bright? Well, again, I, I love Chrissy Mayer. Again, she's one of she's one of my uh, partners on, on Friday Night Tights. What I will say is I don't think people are judging it too harshly, and I think that there is this attempt that I've seen in our space of trying to spin the film as being satire, and I think that it's more so people who are trying to think the film is more clever than it actually is. I think it's people reading into the film so much that it's almost as if they've convinced themselves that it's somehow a brilliant satire. And, you know, it's like, again, I think that that people can fall into this. You know, I think that people can fall into this. You know, there's this thing about any other movie where people have been able to, you know, even though the, the huge, you know, vast majority of people were able to recognize the garbage that was in it. And yet people throughout history have, you know, inevitably been the people that have you know, defended it and have convinced themselves that it's somehow better than what it actually is. So I think that's what's happening right now. I think it's people convincing themselves of something that's not actually there. Let's see. Abomination over on Odyssey says, I know they're not exactly similar, but I find it funny that women praise Barbie because it pokes fun at gender differences and men praise Avatar 2 because it had a strong father and family. Yeah, I mean, remember, a lot of people were forgiving the very clear story issues amongst other things in Avatar 2, and why was it? Because, oh, the strong family dynamic. Remember when The Tomorrow War came out? People were defending that movie because Chris Pratt, hey, it's not woke. Think about how often that's happened, right? Think how how often people, most more so men, right, have come out to defend movies that are intrinsically bad. <laughs> but the logic behind it was, oh, it's not this, and it's not that. So I think a lot of women are probably going to this movie saying, well, yeah, all this stuff is there, right? The ones that might actually be more sensitive to it and might recognize it. But this is being targeted to me, and and that doesn't happen very often. So I think it's almost an equivalent of when someone, for instance, when someone made an argument that, well, this movie was fun and good because it wasn't woke, a la, you know, Tomorrow War or an Avatar 2 or something like that. I think it's a very similar step that people are taking with this movie. Where it's like, well, hey, it's being directed towards me, and and there's certain jokes in here that are geared towards me, and so that made me feel good, and I like that. And again, I can't take away anyone's subjective enjoyment of a movie. But what I can do is try to point out, okay, that does not change the, change the objective reality of the film itself. So, again, I think that that's probably what we have going on here. Let's see. We got Joey Horn in the chat. Hail to you, Joey Horn. Thank you very much for being here. Sahil, tag to say, have you seen the trades talking about a potential Spider-Man 4 with Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire? I saw a post about it on social media today. I, I mean, the, the post that I saw didn't seem to be the 
you know, pinnacle of of truth in in news media. I mean, if they did, honestly, what was Sam Raimi's last movie? Doctor Strange 2. And also, what was the last Spider-Man film he did? Spider-Man 3. I honestly, Sam Raimi does not excite me at this point. He does not have a consistent track record with movies. You know, him and Tom McGuire coming back together, if you could argue, well, maybe Sam Raimi could have full creative control. That's why his other films weren't good. I think there's an argument to be had there. But it's one of those situations, and I've said this about, for instance, people like James Gunn. Well, what have you done for me lately, right? What, what have you actually done lately? Because in the instance of James Gunn, the last really good film he ever did was Guardians 1. Everything he's done since then has either been bad or has been mediocre one-off watch. Nothing really special. So I look at Sam Raimi in a very similar light to, to that. Personally, I would much rather see a more competent director doing an amazing Spider-Man movie with Andrew Garfield. Because I honestly, it's interesting, when Spider-Man No Way Home came out, what was the biggest reaction, in my theater especially, you know what the biggest reaction was? It wasn't to Toby, it was actually to Andrew Garfield. And turns out in that movie, he had, I think, one of the best redemptive arcs. Especially because the movies he was in were so bad. When we saw him in this, it was that moment of, you know what, I didn't, hate him as Spider-Man. I did not hate him. I hated the movie he was in, but I did not hate him. And so honestly, I would much rather be hearing that right now versus another Toby movie. It would be great if both of them could do a movie together. I think that could be fun, but I would want a more competent director behind uh, behind the, the screen at this point. Keely Chow had to say, does that mean you're going to have to eat more pizza with pineapple on it? I sure hope not. Um, something tells me though, no one on the, at least on Friday Night Tights, I don't think anyone would at this point disagree with my take about the billion dollar film. I think most of them would say, based on what we're seeing right now, I would, you know, seems to make sense that it has a good chance of doing it. Let's see. Over on Odyssey Abomination, Ty to say, Weird how Hollywood, which berates men and demands movies centered around non-straight white men, keeps releasing bad movies for women and other demographics. Yep. And for some reason, the demographics are, in this case especially, eating it up. See, Zine Waters says, I have conservative friends who like the film. They think it's satire because they're ignorant of what Greta Gerwig is like and assume no one would be that self-unaware. Yep. And I think that's what it's coming down to. I think some people are convincing themselves that the movie is something that it is not. And I think that's a great point, Zine. If you actually know who Greta Gerwig is and you know her history and you know exactly the kind of person that she is, you realize, oh no, there, there is nothing that deep to this story. <laughs> Again, people are making it into being something better in some way than it actually is. Let's see, Abomination, Tad to say, Chrissy would be the only one, while Gary says, at least it's better than Oppenheimer. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I firmly believe, I mean, I think Ryan had a positive take, not a positive take on the film, but I think he was kind of defending it um, recently. So there, there's that. And again, I think the whole attempt to try to make this movie out to be deeper than what it actually is is just... It's just not based in reality. Um, but no, I think I think most of them, if I were to say, what do y'all think the chances of this film making a billion dollars are? Based on the numbers we have right now, it seems likely. And again, if we see, let's say the Tuesday numbers come in and it's like a 70 plus percent drop off. That's not going to happen. Let's assume that it does. Okay. Well, now we have some, we have different metrics. We have one number from one day suggesting that it's strong. Another from another day suggesting that it's not strong, but we're not seeing that right now. So until we do see something like that, which I don't think is going to happen, 
then all we're left with then is, hey, with that kind of opening weekend, a billion dollars is very much a strong possibility. See, Great Wuda says, I rewatched Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 again. I enjoyed it again. It's a fantastic film. And it's sad that it's kind of just gotten lost in the shuffle. And it's, it's really its own fault. I mean, because it's not, it's not the movie's fault. It's, it's the way in which they released it. You know, I think they, I think they should have just decided, and again, hindsight's 2020, but every day we get further and further from it, I think, man, they should have just bit the bullet and said, you know what, we're going to go up against Disney, we're going to go up against um, Indiana Jones, Doll of Destiny, there's no way it can be that good, and then just taking the risk there, because I think it would have turned out better for them. They would have had that July 4th number, and I think that that would have helped the kind of movie that it was, especially, and then they would have had more time to fight out and to likely win over those premium screens, especially the IMAX screens. And I think they would have been a better financial situation. But as they played it, as they did it, it did not turn out well for them. So, yeah. Super Anime Gamer says, hey, what's up, my dude? What's up, Super? Welcome back. Over on Rumble, King of the says, for Friday Night Sites, I think you should just throw out your thoughts about Barbie and see who bets you. <laughs> no, because something tells me that by the time Friday comes around, we're going to have... Tuesdays with numbers, Wednesdays numbers, and Thursdays numbers. So if the numbers are still as strong as they are today, I probably won't have to bring it up. Then Felicitas, what is going on? Long time no see. Bruce says, I sent you a Discord. Please read before your nightly prayers. Will do. Will do. Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington says, Has Twitter gone excommunicado? I see what you did there. B-Rad, did you hear Ryan actually defend Barbie? I did hear a little bit of it. I had to turn it off. Because <laughs> it's like, uh, I can only take, I can only take, and again, I'm not saying any specific person is delusional, but it is a delusional take. It's just, it's not based in reality. Uh, Steven, what's up, brother? Tad to say, I'm sure you heard about the chef that died at the Obama property. Um, not relevant to our discussion, so I'm going to skip that one. Steven, honestly, what do you think Barbie going to end box office with? I just said, I think it's going to end over a billion dollars at this point, based on the numbers that we're seeing. Laura, the modern major general story, says, doing the dishes, so I'm not going to be able to mod. Just lurking. No problem, Laura. Appreciate you being here. Gary Banjo says, just finished religious series from Spain, 30 coins. It's very freaking good. Hey, hadn't heard of that before. Interesting. R2D bot. What's going on? Kimberly G. What is going on, Kimberly G? Thanks for being here. JS Pena says, Pink is only good on pigs and perfume. (laughs) Ryan Liu, are you going to watch Oppenheimer 70mm? Nope. I I said going into it, if the film was amazing and I loved it, I would consider it. It was not amazing. It was a B-movie. And uh, one of the things that it's more and more kind of just bothering me is, I'm sorry, that excessive nudity was not needed whatsoever. It's such a small part of the movie, and it's so just out there, you didn't need it. And I think there was an interview where he defended it and said that it was necessary because it was vital to Oppenheimer as a character. And it's like, I'm sorry, you could have made him out to be a womanizer and a cheat without having to show that. Just saying. Just saying, brother. <laughs> so, no, I have no plans to see it in 70mm. Again, I love the concept. I, I love, obviously, what he did with the IMAX format, and I think that's awesome. The movie's just not good enough for me to want to wanna justify sitting through it again, to be perfectly frank. 
Uh, Cthulhu, who's a member, says, LOL, Immaculate Conception of Barbie, Book of the New Testament of the Consumerism Book of Alan 154. <laughs> uh, yes, 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 yes. Let's see. Uh, Steven, yeah, so everything's been going fine summer-wise. This is my last week of summer. Next week, we start our meetings. So I, I've been mentioning this already uh, in the morning stream. So tomorrow will be my last Good Morning Asgard podcast. It might be starting late. Because I have to do, we have a, a new fingerprinting uh, system that we have to go through. So the old system for teachers, you know, you had to get background checks. And so I think the old system used, I don't know if it was a, I don't, I think the difference was that maybe it was like analog fingerprints. Now you got digital fingerprints. I don't know what it is. Um, but we have to get new fingerprints because we have to go through this digital system instead. Um, so I have that tomorrow. I have the earliest schedule as I possibly could at nine. So my hope is that I'll, I'll be there and done before you know and get it back here before 10 so if anything it'll be a late start but tomorrow will be the last good boarding asgard podcast for the summer uh bruce says that new shelf behind your left shoulder i have two of those as well simple but effective uh well it's not a new shelf it's actually this it's been it's been in my office space for many years now at this point um it's just it's in here because we had to get all the stuff in my old office out so that the wife could start painting uh baby thor's new room and so I don't know exactly where that shelf's going to end up. It's just there for now. It's 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 completely empty at this point. I need to find a place for the random stuff I've got. Keck44, what's going on? Welcome back. Uh, Steven says, after two months and a half, this is my breakup. Hanging in there. Thank you for the live stream. Keeping me distracted. No problem at all, man. Again, I think that mentioning it, most streams, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, dude. I don't think mentioning it's going to help you, man. I think that when you mention it, it just gets into the back of your mind. I think it's better just to, yeah, and just have fun in the stream. Focus on other things instead. Let's see. Marshall J2 says, Oh, and I'm really shocked Barbie made, I think, $26.4 million on Monday. Again, I, I would be shocked if I had any faith whatsoever in the audience that's going to see this movie, but I've now given up. I've just, I've abandoned my faith in that. <laughs> Again, if we're now at the point where you have to make up or find some deeper meaning in it, it's like I can't help you. I can't. I can't shake. I can't shake people from delusion. Uh, Epic Ninja Shiro, what's going on, Epic Ninja? Tanya say I've heard an interesting take that Barb is like Starship Troopers. I'd argue High Noon. A disconnect between the makers and those they deride. Think the producers, but in real life, still has problems. Again, I think that that is. <laughs> I think that that is giving a little bit too much credit to this movie. Because. I look at Starship Troopers and I think that that film is brilliant. And also, let's just be frank, Starship Troopers does not have any type of radical third wave feminist nonsense being perpetuated through the entirety of the movie. Jared, what's going on? Welcome back. Let's see, JS Pena tend to say my mother was right. Women are getting dumber. I mean, I mean, they are the, the key demographic here. It's obviously not just them, but definitely the majority, unfortunately. I don't like saying it, but, and honestly, I guess I said, I think that it's actually probably getting to the point where more so people are just giving it more credit than what it actually is and are giving it or making it out to be something so much smarter than it actually is. I mean, <laughs> nothing else makes any sense. That's for darn sure. That's for darn sure. Let's see. 
Steven says, honestly, do you think Little Mermaid barely made profit or they lost money? Oh, no, they lost money. E- even with even with my break-even of 2.5 times the budget, it lost money. And seeing that the film probably cost a lot more than what they said it cost, because we already know Disney is notorious for overspending and spending more than what people expect it to have cost. Oh, yeah. I am likely $100 million of financial losses for them around that mark. Let's see. Robert Frey, what is going on? Welcome back. Keely Chow, I can't wait for next year's Raven Awards and the World Class BSers Oscars drunk watch stream. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, Raven Awards are going to be uh, tight next year, to say the least. Because whereas Barbie will likely be raking up those nominations and probably wins in positive categories, something tells me, with the amazingly smart crowd that my Asgardian audience is, it, it, we'll be setting the record straight when the Ravens come around, that's for sure. R2D Bot says, how do you think the response would be if all the roles were reversed? And I think that that's also one of the best arguments to explain the point, right? Is, wait a minute, if everything was reversed, right? Let's, let's, and if you were to, some people say, well, it's the IP. Okay, try to find a male-dominated IP and then have the same kind of stuff, only instead of it being, you know, third-wave radical feminism, it's like Andrew Tate stuff. I mean, come on. We know exactly what would happen. Let's see. King of Diet Coke. Thank you very much for gifting those five memberships. Congrats to Victor Fontaine, Bruce, Robert Frey, Hamilton Berger, and Thonotos Felicitas. Steven, did I say your thoughts on Job Oega being a hypocrite about dissing Disney and cooperate? He started, he'll be happy to return. I mean, I have not seen any really of the interviews from either case. So I don't really have any thoughts about it at all. It seems like he is a Hollywood actor. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of it's kind of power for the course, it seems, you know? Over on Rumble, King and Rumble, she's a serious question. Has the Barbie movie shaken your faith in women? It's shaken my faith in humanity. Mostly women. But but entirely the entirety of humanity, for sure. Uh, Marshall J2, it blows my mind how much money this movie uh, made. Nobody seen this coming. No. I, I, you know, someone could probably look back and say, well, Margot Robbie said that she thought the film would be a billion dollars. And I know that many of us, when we initially saw the film on Thursday, we're like, there's just no way. But then the Sunday numbers came in and we're like, okay, no, this film not only had an amazing opening weekend or rather an opening day, it kept on making money even after all of the information came out, even after we found out that the bait and switch was, you know, was clearly real and in one of the in some of the worst ways possible still ended up doing well and with the monday numbers coming out it just confirms it even further so all right let's see Robert Frey, <laughs> i am a member yes you are yes you are and again please put at odin the very beginning of comment if you want your comment read out loud can only read comments that have at odin the very beginning unless you are a member robert Frey says it's barbie every middle-aged woman woman will see it I mean, I would say every, but let's just say a large portion for sure. Yeah, if you look at the demographic breakdowns, what's interestingly enough, Robert Frey, is that um, it, it really is the current generation that has had one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest showings for. Let me see if I can actually find the because uh, there's a site Movio, and this actually breaks things down by by demographic. So let me see if I can uh, pull this up for y'all, so that way we can get ourselves a little bit of a demographic breakdown. 
So this is the breakdown from this past uh, from this past weekend, and this breaks it down based off of the the weekend itself, and then also the number of you know basically the percentage of tickets that are being sold on a given weekend. So if you look at the Gen Z, so these are Gen Z females. Out of all the tickets sold this past weekend, 67%, 67.5% of the people at the theater in the Gen Z female demographic, 67.5%. Compared to 22.5% of that same demographic showing up for Oppenheimer, 3.1% for Sound of Freedom, etc. So that's the Gen Z. If you go to Gen Y, it's 63.8%. So again, this is not going into the total numbers of how many Gen Zs, how many Gen Gen Ys completely or totally, but what this does show is that Gen Z to a larger percentage were the ones showing up. And that's the reason why for me, it's like, look, I'm looking at the audience and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is the modern generation or one of the younger generations, I should say, that tends to be a little bit more woke, showing up into a much larger percentage gap there and then if you bring it down to gen x women 48.6 percent gen x baby boomers 37.6 so interestingly enough so out of the women went that went to go see movies this weekend right of the take 37.6 percent actually went to oppenheimer over barbie for baby boomers that seems to make a little bit more sense to me for barbie 48.6 percent for gen x uh females Gen Y, 63.8%. And then for Gen Z, 67.5%. So again, it's actually skewing younger. And that's the reason why I looked at that and said, okay, what is the audience going to see this movie? It's all over the place. But which one has a stronger overall take? Younger. More, more politically, I don't even want to say more politically liberal, but more politically woke. Compare that to the male demographic and then Gen Z, 47.2%, so actually pretty close there between that and Oppenheimer. Gen Y, you see also still very close. Uh, Gen X, that's when Oppenheimer takes over. And then Baby Boomers, that's when, you know, obviously Oppenheimer dominates. So again, people across the board in all demographics are going to see this movie. But it's very clear that it's it, Gen Z uh, women, specifically, are, are one of the higher proportions compared to other movies. So, again... Gomer Pyle, LRG, welcome. Great Widow says, I read in Hollywood Reporter that Florence Pugh seen Oppenheimer wore a CGI black dress in the Middle East and India. Yeah, I just saw someone share that, actually. Um, because as, as someone who is a devout Catholic, it's funny because in, in my group, this is actually our the, the Rigid Catholic Nerds group, uh, the, the, the same group that we did. We just did the stream, our inaugural stream the other day, Talking Sound of Freedom. It was funny because it's like, oh, why? How do we watch that version? Because <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. If you're going to make that kind of a version because you're sensitive to the religious beliefs of other countries, w- why not release that version here? Because guess what? There are, a pl- there are a plethora of religious people that would like to see that movie without that kind of stuff in it. Just saying. All right, let's see. Victor Fontaine, who's now a member. Oh, King of Diet Coke, how dare you give this man a membership? He never tags me. He's always talking. He never tags me, though, and now he doesn't have to. Richard Fontaine says, There was a flood of pink going into my AMC 20 today that drove through the parking lot on my way home. Yeah. And that that that's what I'm saying. I'm saying the film's doing well. I still don't exactly know the point. I hope that you read my last Twitter message, man. Because it's just like, come on. 
it's uh, starting to get annoying. It's like, I, I'm not saying the alternative. Uh, Ingrid Plaza, thank you very much for the $5 super chat. Ingrid Plaza says, the movie is meant to be pushing back against the prominent community. I think women are only here to be subservient and have to uh, have and to bear children. Is meant to be pushing back, but again, it, it's not just doing that. That's what Barbie, as an IP, does, right? Barbie is the epitome of, uh, of feminism, of actual feminism, right? Of, of an actual push for equality, of, hey, women can do, you know, pretty much anything that they put their minds to. In a world where for often, for a very long time, women were told that you can't do anything other than be a mother, Barbie was there to help people recognize that there is more to life than just that. The problem with this movie is that's not what the movie's pushing. The movie is saying that, but then going further to, in many ways, degrade motherhood, from the very beginning, the whole bashing of the children's head. But then again, through the course of the movie, you have these same undertones. And it's not until the very end where you have kind of a message there where it's like, well, I guess that's more of a pro-motherhood message. It's like, yeah, but not really. And it doesn't take away everything that came previously or the other messages that are say- that are just as much a part of the radical third-way feminist agenda that's also being pushed throughout the entirety of the movie. So no, Ingrid Plaza, I think that you would be correct that that is what Barbie is supposed to be for. That's not what the movie does. Robert Frey agreed. It's just a bad film. Marshall J. Oh, do you think the reason Barbie is doing well because original content people are getting tired of superhero movies, sequels, and sequels like Fast and Furious Transformers? And again, I, I think that that would also make, as I said, when I when I think about what the people who are defending it, especially those that are more sensitive to the culture war issues are saying about the film, it definitely seems like they are saying, even though all of this garbage is here, I'm going to choose to ignore it because, hey, this is something that at least was made and directed towards me. It's how it comes across. It kind of reminds me of the, well, hey, at least it's not woke argument. It seems like a very, very similar argument where it's, okay, but you're ignoring a lot of things there. And that does not necessarily then make the film good or take away those other things. So, I really think that is probably one of the better comparisons of, of what's going on here, personally. A uh, little chat, what's going on? Marshall J. People want to see something new. And again, I think that that is the justification that people are having as to why they're coming out of it. Uh, Robert Frey says, I enjoy Tomorrow War. It's not a good movie. Again, you can enjoy something. I'm not trying to take away anyone's enjoyment. But enjoyment of a film does not make a film good. There's a lot of films that I enjoy. It does not make them good. Master of Gaming. I was explaining the biological difference between men and women. I think Barbie will make a billion dollars worldwide just like Super Mario Brothers. Yep. I do as well at this point. I do as well. Kincaid Rumsky over on Rumble says, Now that Victor Fontaine is a member, do you plan on doing a cast with him singing a swinging song from the 40s and 50s? Come fly with me. Abomination. I tried to think of one, but all I can think of is Robin Hood Men in Tights. We're men, manly men, we're men in tights. Yes. <laughs> Justin C., what's up? Uh, Robert Frey, maybe superhero movies are played. Again, you just you could you say that, and yet people were saying there was superhero fatigue before Spider-Man No Way Home came out, and then that film ended up doing huge monies, and that was after literally just a week after a massive flop that was uh that was um the remake of West Side Story got the excuse, well, it's the pandemic. 
No one's seeing it because of the pandemic. And then Spider-Man came out and everyone was like, what pandemic? Oh, we didn't say pandemic. What are you talking about? So no, it's people have our, and even just past, even just this past year, remember Doctor Strange too. You know, what did that do? Over $900 million. Oh boy. But it had a massive drop off. So it's not that people are tired of superhero movies. It's people are tired of bad or generic superhero movies. Because there are too many examples that we can point to to showcase that it's not just the genre that's the problem. It's the films that are coming out in the problem. That's the problem. Great Wudo, who's a member, says, Spider-Man 3 is straight trash. Agreed. Frank G, do you think the next Nintendo movie will be Zelda, Super Mario 2, or something else? Uh, if I had to guess something else, but of the other two, Zelda, Super Mario, I think Super Mario Brothers 2 will come out before the, the Zelda film. There's just too many things they have to figure out with Zelda, I think. Probably just too many movies they've got to figure out with Zelda, if I had to guess. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bruce234, I see you hanging out over on Kick. Or at least you were hanging out over on Kick. Yeah, not a whole lot of people hanging out over there, which is why I don't check that chat very often. All right, chat jumped on me. Rob D over on YouTube says, and all's fair to Sam Raimi. Spider-Man 3 had heavy suited interference. Not Strange 2 is MCU where there's no such thing as creative freedom. But he also agreed to do Doctor Strange 2. So, again, I have to go by what he would done for me lately. Because other than Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, and this is an honest question, because if there's an example that I'm forgetting, I would love to know, what's a good Sam Raimi film that he's done recently? That that can maybe showcase that he still's got it. That he still's got it. Uh, Victor Fontaine, no need to repeat yourself, good sir. Rob D says, in other news, I think The Flash is now completely out of theaters after less than five weeks. Oh yeah, that is a Complete and utter flop. <laughs> so, in so many ways. In so many ways. Frank G, I'm looking forward to Oppenheimer. Again, Frank G, I think that some people are coming out of it enjoying it, but I didn't see it. Robert Frey uh, was talking about paranoia earlier. Then says, seeing patterns that aren't there, that is. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Zinewater says, I'm so glad you don't make excuses for nudity. Too many people did that with Game of Thrones, but I found it beyond gratuitous. Oh, for sure. And, and again, it's completely unnecessary. And I think that ultimately, when you have to ask the question, why would you do that as a filmmaker? Why would you do that as a director? The only things that you're really left with are kind of disturbing. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. You're trying to, because remember, when it comes, this specific is Oppenheimer. Again, the word is that uh, Nolan said he wanted these scenes in the movie because they were pertinent to, crucial to, the character of Oppenheimer. Okay, well, what was he trying to convey that Oppenheimer was a what a sexual deviant that, that he cheated on his wife, that, that he was, you know, promiscuous. You don't need to show what you showed in the movie to get that point across. I use this example all the time because it's the best example of this fact in the phenomenal film, a streetcar named desire. There's a scene where one of the characters, Stanley is about to sexually assault the sister of his wife. And guess what? They show you, they show him approach her. She's backing up, backing up, freaking out. And then all of a sudden, 
mirror clashes. You see her face. It, you know, her head just, you know, she basically looks like she faints. And then the camera fades away. And you're almost left wondering, like, wait, did something actually happen? I honestly don't know. The point is, though, that you don't need to actually show anything to either, one, get the idea across, or two, create an impactful scene that builds the character into something that you're trying to get past. I, again, it's just... Animal Grandma. Fossey, Fossey, Fossey. What's going on? Mighty Orbots 42. Is that the meaning of life? I think it is. <laughs> Robert Frey. How many weeks has Spider-Verse been out? Uh, eight weeks. Yeah, eight weeks going into its ninth week. So it's been out for quite a while. BMG says, there's a YouTube video of AI Johnny Cash singing the Barbie song. It's kind of funny. I mean, and that, that's the other thing too, right? Is we think about what what actually is the impact of of this film, and that's the other factor, right? One is the radical messaging, but the other one is for the memes. This movie is going to be meme to hell, and guess what? Guaranteed, the memes are actually going to be funny. The movie, the memes are going to be funnier than the movie itself. That might be another factor going on. I think people have an idea that the movie is funnier than it actually is, but I think it's more so the concepts that just don't actually get any good delivery in the movie. So I think that you're going to find that because people on the internet are infinitely more creative than Greta Gerwig could ever hope to be, are going to create so many more funny things with the same images, the same actors, the same you know moments from the film. I have, I have no doubt in my mind that there's going to be some great memes that come from the movie. But guess what? Some of the greatest memes, you know where the greatest memes come from? Garbage movies. I know people love the prequels, but let's be fair. Objectively, they're not good. Some of the best memes of all time come from where? The prequels. The Room. Awful movie. Best worst movie ever made. Some of the best memes. I think there's going to be some great memes that come out of this film too. But just like those other films I've mentioned, it's also garbage. Steven, do you think Blue Beetle can save DC? Nope. The uh, box office projections are already out early, so obviously things can change. But let's just say it would have to have a meteoric rise. It would have to see a similar level of rising that Barbie saw. Remember, when Barbie was getting closer to release date, the projections were just going up, up, up. And then Box Office Pro had that insane, no longer insane because it turned out to be correct for the first time. If, you, if you've ever been following Box Office Pro, you know they always put out numbers that tend to be higher. In the case of Barbie, it was so much higher. It was double what the studio said it was going to make. Double. And it turned out to be correct. For once, their algorithm actually turned out to be accurate. But based on right now, the numbers we're seeing, it's not looking good for it. Uh, Gomer Pyle, I only I saw the name, and so I immediately had to highlight it because of that. I'd pay Timothy Gordon to review the Barbie movie. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of him, to be perfectly honest, but you know what? That might actually be a video I'd watch from him. Let's see. Laura says, everybody fights. Nobody quits. If you don't do your job, I'll kill you myself. Starship Troopers was fire. Agreed. It was awesome. Uh, Yaris Patriot Nerd says, hail chat. Hail Odin. What's going on? Welcome. Welcome back, your average Patriot Nerd. I don't know why I was combining Jurassic Park with Gandalf. <laughs> Welcome to Jurassic Park. man man uh, I am JMS. Do you believe? Do you think Spider-Man Three will hit a billion dollars next year? Spider-Verse Three will hit a billion dollars next year. Uh, I would I, at this point, I would have to say no because 
the first film did pretty well, like for the budget, especially was what in the three, four hundred million dollar range. The most recent film is climbing up still could end up reaching 700 million, maybe by the time it ends. So um, I could see the next film, the film next year, because it did get positive reactions, um, majority positive reactions coming out of it. And so I think that the chances of it doing exactly what the other film did, what the most recent film did, I should say, is likely billion dollars. Right now, there's nothing to indicate that it would. I'm not saying that's impossible, but I'm saying that it's there's nothing right now to indicate that it will. Amber Shamerpa says, "Hi, Barbie is uh, hi Barbie is in the Expendables for ladies." Oh, Rob D. I was thinking the best thing Warner Brothers could do with the Blue Beetle is just not market it as a DC film. The DC logo right now is basically a mark of certified corporate garbage. Yeah, to an extent. Also, it's just the trailers themselves are not very good or compelling. I mean, there's there's a plethora of reasons to why that is the case. Super says, that makes sense. Barbie's sense of humor is very much boomer humor. And millennials are the ones taking their kids. But as I said, as I said, Super, no. Because the boomers are not the ones showing up. I don't think you were listening to the stats, brother. Again, the vast majority of people, as far as like the groups of Gen Z and uh, the compare Gen Z to Gen Y to Gen X, the biggest piece of the pie of the females going, of the women going, as far as the, compared to other films, is Gen is Gen Z the most? Again, the again not technically. I think right now we're in Gen Alpha or whatever. But the youngest people are the ones that are going out to the biggest pie. Actually, the baby boomers are the smallest portion when it comes to the female demographic of who went to go see the movie this past weekend. So no, I, again, um, millennials you have a stronger argument for there. Boomer, uh, not so much. So as I said, it's actually the young people. And that's why I say, no, the point of that to show, Super, right? The reason why I bring that back up. So again, the week, the weekend insights from Movio. So the reason why it's so important and or the reason why it's significant to bring this up is because a larger portion of the youngest of women are going to see this movie. And guess what? What are they much more politically? They're much more radical third-way feminist. What is the majority of this movie? Radical third-wave feminist. Again, I think the, the demographic breakdown actually really showcases this point even further. The movie itself does a good job of it, but the people that are defending it, trying to say it's something that it's not, look at the, gen- look at the demographic makeup. It's very clear. Uh, Victor Fontaine says, The messaging in the schools has paid off for Barbie. Robert Frey says, School! Keely Chow says, actors are nothing more than adult pretenders. Gary Bleak, Gary Beekler of Nerdrotic. Very true. I'm JMS says, do you think BTSV will hit a billion dollars when it comes out? I, I don't know what that acronym means right now, to be perfectly honest. Justin C. Any possibility that Mission Possible 7 can break even? Pulling a profit feels unlikely at this point. It really depends on whether or not you go by a, uh, a standard, typical break-even that's the one that I use, the 2.5 times multiplier, or one that more people often today use, which is a three times multiplier. The break even for the film is a range of around $725 million to around $900 million. So people like Ryan, uh, Valiant Renegade, I think WDW Pro as well, they typically use closer to a three times multiplier. So they would all argue that the film probably needs to make $900 plus million to break even. My charting is 725. Do I think 725 is possible? It's possible. 
But based on the numbers right now, it, it's not incredibly likely. Basically, the film we need to leg out, and I mean Mission Impossible films in the past have had a history of doing that, so I think that at least Valiant Renegade would probably agree with me on that point. Because um, I know he said that in recent videos too, about how, again, it's still too early to tell exactly what the final number for that film will be. Especially because internationally, that is where it's going to make most of its money. But, yeah, so whether it breaks even or not, depends on what multiplier you're using. So, I would be willing to say, let's take the average of those and say the chance of it breaking even are not likely. It's probably going to end up losing money. The question, though, is how much money does it lose? And will it be able to make up that money post-theatrical? It actually is in a much better position than any Disney film. Because where, where do Disney movies go? They go to Disney+. Plus. Disney doesn't get any money from that. Where do Paramount, you know, where do Paramount films go? In the United States, they'll go on Paramount Plus after a much longer time in theaters versus Disney films. But two, because Disney, uh, because Paramount Plus is not in every single international market, it means Paramount has the ability to sell the streaming rights for their film. Now, that does not account into box office. So we're still talking about a film that probably will be a box office flop, but as far as the studio is concerned, may not end up being uh, a huge loss for them in the long run. But again, that's using extra money. Uh, Abomination over on Odyssey says here, uh, BTSV says, bacon, tomato, salmon, Vegemite. <laughs> and yes, I said salmon and not salmon. Uh, KK Drevsky over on Rumble says, speaking of superhero movies being played out, weren't people also blaming COVID up until Top Gun Maverick came out? Au contraire. They were blaming, uh, it was, again, super. it was Spider-Man No Way Home. That was 2021. People forget. That was December 2021. That's when West Side Story came out and they said it's not doing well because of the pandemic. And then Spider-Man No Way Home destroyed the box office and destroyed the COVID narrative. Um, and then, of course, once the summer came around, that's when you also got the Top Gun Mavericks of the world and things like that. But, yeah. Your average page says, I've heard so much talk about Barbie this weekend. I feel like I don't need to see the movie. Not that I was going to see it anyway. I know, seriously. You've basically seen the film at this point. It's really, who do you believe? <laughs> it's like, that's really what it comes down to. Personally, I would much rather be on the side of someone like Critical Drinker. <laughs> I mean, he honestly has probably the best take on the movie. Like, Critical Drinker tends to have the best take on movies in general. Um, but I'd much rather be on the side of, of Critical Drinker on that. Okay, the job. Fun fact, Barbie was an, a WNBA player. Interesting. We're talking about, like, the real-life Barbara? Oh, dude, what's up, Titan? What's up? Kick 44 what's up? Victor Fontaine, you can skip my post. You don't have to read them. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Victor Fontaine, I know that you're typically talking to other people in the chat, so, yeah. I love you, man. You drive me crazy, but I love you. David Boy, I appreciate that. I saw that in the chat. I was like, wait, he says I'm right? I have to highlight it. My ego demands it. Super anime gamer, stupid autocorrect. I meant zoomer humor. That makes more sense. Thank you. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's an important distinction. It's amazing how much a letter changes. Because saying it's boomer humor or zoomer humor based on the demographics, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it says, Men Insights, the great Mel Brooks. So good. So good. Uh, Marshall J2 says, Oh, I just want to say you're the best when it comes to doing box office numbers. Well, thank you, Marshall J. I appreciate that. Again, I'm in good company. Um, I feel honored to have inspired my mortal enemy, Valiant Renegade. For some reason, people think that we hate each other. Um, he mentioned that on his show when he invited me on a couple weeks ago. I'm going to mention it now. You know, even though people think that we hate each other, uh, he, he is my mortal enemy, of course, and uh, and I love him. 
uh, try to explain that. It's like trying to explain. That's similar to trying to explain the you know plot to Barbie. You know, I hate him, but I love him. Oh, okay. So that doesn't make any sense. Nonsensical. Oh, plot to Barbie makes sense. Um, <laughs> but he he's he's awesome. I, I love Valiant. So uh, I, I again, I'm in good company though. Uh, with with Valiant especially. All right, let's see. Frank G says, do you think Disney will do Pixar-style CGI remakes of their Disney classics? Those would certainly make more money than the live-action remakes. Uh, at this point, I don't think... I don't know what Disney can do. Because pe- people need to remember, Disney, in almost every demographic that it used to have any hold on, isn't doing much of anything. I mean, their kids' movies are losing money. When Disney's kids' movies are consistently losing money, that that's like... That is their bread and butter. When their bread and butter starts to lose money, they're in trouble. They've been in trouble for a while now at this point. Let's see. Sacre Bleu, the deadly poke of Zorro. What's up, Sacre Bleu? Since Hollywood has more or less stopped making comedies of any kind, do you think the women running to see Barbie are just starred for good old-fashioned chick flick comedy? I would say that if it was good old-fashioned chick flick comedy. I'm sorry. It is an offense to chick flicks everywhere to say that Barbie is a chick flick. As someone who is a connoisseur of chick flicks, 10 Things I Hate About You, brilliant film. I have a soft spot in my heart for chick flicks. One of my favorite films, again, not of all time, but but just in general, I enjoy watching it, is a film called Maid of Honor. About as chick flick as you can get. So I enjoy chick flicks. That's the funny thing, too is that the amount of people coming out to say, this movie wasn't made for you, it was made for women, chick flicks, let us have our chick flicks. This is not a chick flick. At least not in the traditional sense. This is a radical third-wave feminist film pretending to be a Barbie movie that people are vastly, um, are, are doing so many, again, so many mental gymnastics to justify it's in their enjoyment of the film. It's basically, it's they laughed at the movie, they found enjoyment in the things that they saw, and so, therefore, they need to try to have some type of mental gymnastics to explain how and why that is the case. When two things can be true at once. They can have enjoyed the film, but they also clearly missed the message of the film and what it was trying to do. And the radical third wave, third wave feminist agenda that it was pushing. <sighs> but anyway. Because if it was a chick flick, I would have enjoyed it. But it wasn't that. The Ash Ranger Nerd says, I have no idea what the heck that voice was. Sean Connery Yoda? You're welcome. I like to make up random voices. You'll never know. Bruce then says, and I think you meant to say, I know it's supposed to be George Lopez about uh, the Blue Beetle movie, but I like that you said Gorge Lopez. <laughs> that, that needs to be his new name. It's no longer George Lopez. It has to be Gorge Lopez. Gorge Lopez is meh. Yeah, Batman's a fascist. Oh, great line. Great line, Gorge. Good job. Uh, let's see. Abomination, great point. The Princess Bride is my favorite chick flick. Yep. You know what the thing is, Abomination 2? If you actually look to what have typically been deemed to be chick flicks, I bet you will find a very interesting phenomenon. And that is that there is a much more equal balance of the audience between men and women. Interesting that how that happens. It's almost as if chick flicks are for everybody. Whereas third wave radical feminist films, interesting. 
<laughs> Frank G says, I thought it was the iGen. No, it's, I think it's Gen Alpha. And now, so now we're going through, so for some reason in our, you know, determining of the generations, you know, baby boomers makes some logical sense, but then we move to Gen X and with Gen X, it was then, oh, well, the next generation has to be Y and then Z. And so now, even though there's a plethora of letters that we could, we could go back and use, now we're just jumping to the Greek alphabet. It's almost like we're in this long-term naming of, of hurricanes. If anyone's been on the South, you know, uh, the Gulf Coast, the South. You know, I grew up hurricane season, all that, all that jazz. Every time it was hurricane season, we would get the list of movie, uh, not the list of movies, the list of hurricanes and the hurricane names. And there were years where, when during active seasons, you get through Z on the named storm chart, and then you have to move into the Greek alphabet. So you go to this is Storm Alpha, this is Storm Beta, etc. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of odd where it's like, yeah. So what eventually happens? Well, first off. I think we're in Gen Alpha still. What happens when we're in Gen Beta? Who wants to be a part of Gen Beta? Are we even at the point where people getting born are being Gen Beta? Oh, goodness. I hope none of my children are a part of Gen Beta. I don't know how I could live with myself. Bringing them into a world where they have to be betas? Oh, my goodness. What have I done? What have I done? (laughs) I hope I'm bringing alphas into the world, not betas. Oh, man, the cultural context of these things. <laughs> Can't get a rumpski over on, <laughs> over on Rumble. Uh, it says, do you agree with me that Barbie would kneel for the USA anthem? This version of Barbie would, for sure. More importantly, every person behind the camera creatively would. And that's the point. I'm afraid. David Boy, word is there. Okay, talking to someone else there. Rob D says, the $50 million production budget films are no longer sustainable. Would you agree? Depends on the movie. It depends on the movie Um, because, again, you look at some of these films that have come out and you have to recognize that even last year, there were some big budget films that were able to make their money back and even add profits to it. Kaylee Jass says, there was a WNBA Barbie back in 1998. Interesting. Right, Byrne, all father, don't you, don't you think fighting against wokeness in film and television is somewhat of a losing battle because it is a never-ending battle with no victory in sight? Um... Again, to me, it's more about exposure. It's less so about fighting it in a traditional sense, right? I don't expect to be able to uh, have a one-on-one head-to-head fight and win. It's more of the, if we expose it enough, and hopefully we help people move towards honesty and truth, that eventually you'll have enough people move away from those stories, from those movies, from those shows, that the market basically it's almost like market economics where it's maybe hopefully the the ideal is that the market will eventually correct right it'll course correct if enough people reject the nonsense the nonsense will eventually go away is kind of the mindset steven says who do you watch more i don't watch either of them steven i don't watch either of them and have no desire to father chris Miller, ahoy ahoy to you you're a bit you've been on vacation all summer father it's, it's kind of ridiculous. What, what, what do you think you are? Priest on vacation? IMJS says, do you think Spider-Man 2 will hit $700 million? Um, again, I, I would not be surprised to see it hit similar numbers. We'll have to wait and see. Keely Chow, my favorite chick flick is 13 going on 30. I saw that film three times in theaters, and I am not ashamed. That was a fun film. Jennifer Garner. Old school. Ikthulu says, am I right to say that chick flicks are 
how you get more baby Odin's. As I said, it's interesting how if you look at actual traditional chick flicks, you have a much better mix of men and women because typically the men and women are going together. Interesting how that is a film that brings you together, whereas what is the Barbie film doing? Wait, 64 plus percent opening weekend audience was all female and they were going either by themselves or with their friends and the film is pushing for this very clear anti-male message. Wait a minute, what's it trying to do? Not even just anti-male, but anti-family, anti-human message. What is it trying to do? What is it trying to teach? What is it trying to influence? It makes you ask the questions. Just saying. Laura says, best chick flick is Miss Congeniality. I've never got into that one. As many chick flicks as I enjoy, that's not one of them. I don't know why. Just not my, just that one's not my cup of tea. Robert Frey, best chick flick is Terminator 2. <laughs> Laura, is this, is this a kissing book? <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, I love Princess Bride. The average predator, the, the uh, average predator says, Princess Bride has some of the best quotes. Agreed. Orange Chat reviews, all that jazz, that is my line. Kimberly G, Pride and Prejudice and While You Were Sleeping are my favorites. Nice. Yeah, just be worried when we get to Gen Omega. Seriously. It's like the final generation? Dang. Laura says, Bill Pullman did a chick flick with Joan Cusack called Mr. Wrong. Hilarious. Never saw that one. Sacre bleu. I agree, Barbie is not a proper chick flick, and I think they are getting the bait-and-switch treatment by being tricked into thinking it is, then being subjected to propaganda film. Yes. And now it's actually worse because now you've got people who are actually more aware of what's going on in the film who are now convincing themselves that it's not actually what's going on and that somehow it's this brilliant white pill genius story. Again, it's amazing the type of mental gymnastics people are having to do to justify the film. King and Rumsky, Indy 5 is mostly dead. He's mostly dead. Mama Nation, maybe that's their plan. Gen Beta is why they keep putting soy in everything and emasculating men. Can't wait for Gen Gamma radiation. Oh, boy. That will be an interesting time to be alive. That's for sure. That is for sure. Zinewater is the only problem 13 going on 30 was Mark Ruffalo. Yep. Honestly, I forgot he was even in the film. Luckily, those were like early days, Mark Ruffalo. So that was pre... Keep in mind, before 2016, many people in Hollywood were crazy, but they were a contained crazy. But then 2016 happened, and then they got TDS. And then they became actually verifiably insane. <laughs> so that, that was pre-TDS Mark Ruffalo, which I think all of us could agree was a better Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Now, now he's got to the point where he's just he's just too much. The R. What's going on, the R? Howdy to the master of the box office. Wait, are you trying to say that I'm good at math or something? I think I have something for that. Time to see a real math magician at work. Math. You're welcome. I don't care if that makes some people cringe. I love it. Soul Assassin. I have an older sister and younger sister. I watched a lot of chick flicks because of them. Yep. Frank G, I like 10 Things I Hate About You. Also, Heartbreakers. There you go. I'm JMS. Do you agree with the drinker's take on Barbie? Completely. He is spot on. He is spot on. Orange Review says, Odin, you haven't seen a chick flick until you have seen Multiplicity. Haven't even heard of that one, to be perfectly honest. Uh, oh, my goodness. I'm not... Keely Chow. <laughs> 
I'm not going to read that one. <laughs> Brightburn. The way I see it is Hollywood is the Borg from Star Trek Next Generation. They're basically telling us resistance is futile. If I, if I were to use a Star Trek reference, that's why I said it. Yeah, but again, I, I do think that there's definitely a lot of truth to that, but even the Borg can be defeated. Thanatos Felicitas, the member, says, My favorite is How to Steal a Woman from 66 with Peter O'Toole and Audrey Hepburn. Haven't seen that one. I did watch a Peter O'Toole film recently. I just watched, I recently watched the film Beckett again. Oh, what a great film. That was the film actually I chose to watch after seeing Barbie. <laughs> started it, I started it and then watched it and finished it the rest, uh, finished it the next day. It's just like, I don't know, I just need a, need a movie. I need a really good movie to, 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 to get the nonsense of whatever the heck I just watched out of my mouth. Zine Waters, what's the new indie film likely to end up making? I mean, that film is also starting to, it seems, you know, lose a lot of its theaters as well. Uh, let's see. Currently, it's sitting around $335 million uh, worldwide. I can't see it getting, I can't see, I can't personally see it getting, getting past $400 million. So it's going to end somewhere between 350 and 400 Somewhere between those two, I would have to guess. Not good. Especially for a film that, it's funny because the media even has started to report as early as even just like a week or two ago how the film, uh, yeah, we, we, we heard it cost $300 million, but it actually probably cost between 350 and 400 maybe even more. Can't wait for next year to come out with the uh, UK tax returns and, and, you know, information that people will get, gather from it. Can't wait to see what the Indiana Jones film actually cost and how much it actually lost. Souls as Legally Blonde, never forget the bend and snap move. Yes, Leg Legally Blonde is also a classic chick flick. Again, that's also a film that has a quote-unquote feminist message in it, but it's more about, again, that more traditional, what traditional Barbie does is, no, women can do a lot of things that are not just your stereotypical gender roles. And anyone with a brain wouldn't say otherwise. The problem is that that's, what, that's not what Barbie is. The Ben and Snap works every time. Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen that film in a long time. Perfect Day. That's, that's what I most remember from that movie is the song Perfect Day. <laughs> the ending is probably my least favorite part. I don't think the slow motion shot works very well, personally. The slow motion shot of her face. I don't know. I'm fine with the close-up, but it's just like, I don't know. The slow motion with that song... It's that, that one's a little too cheesy for me, that part of the film. But yeah, the other the other part is, is again, very entertaining. Uh, let's see. King Andromsky says, I think I figured it out. The numbers for Barbie are based on a $50 ticket price. Well, that's the thing, right? The film is doing really well, but when you start to see the comparisons to, oh, it's the fourth greatest of all time, it's like, wait a minute. No. Because you're one not adjusting for inflation, and then also ignoring ticket prices. You have to you have to choose one of them. At the least, you have to choose one of them, because if you take average ticket prices unadjusted, the number of tickets being sold to Barbie, though it's impressive for 2023, is not going to be that impressive compared to films from even just 10 years ago, when the standard of movie going was a lot higher. You had a lot more people going to see movies back then. I am JMS. What's the best movie of the year according to you? Um, of this past year, John Wick 4 is up there for me. Um, I also was a big fan of Operation Fortune, uh, Operation Fortune Roost de Guerre. Um, 
Nefarious was great. Nefarious was solid. Mission Impossible 7 was solid as well. I haven't made my best of list yet. That won't be until the end of the year. But those are the ones that come off the top of my head right now. I'm sure there's a really good one that I'm that I'm even forgetting. Jennifer Coolidge is a riot, says Frank G. Your average picture nerd uh, says Montoya. You seem a decent fellow. I hate to kill you. You seem a decent fellow. I hate to die. Ah, such a great line. So many great lines in that. Richard Fontaine, Michael Keaton's Multiplicity is a funny movie. That is a us. Pair that with To Catch a Thief with Cary Grant and Grace Kelly. I must say, I haven't seen that one. Uh, Laura says, have you not, have you seen Not Another Teen? Yes, I've seen Not Another Teen movie. True love is what I want the most. I just in your French toast. Can't say the whole line, but if you've seen the movie, you know exactly which one I'm talking about. <laughs> that that film is funny. That film is funny. Oh, goodness. Rob D. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to be able to participate in The Ravens. I have seen zero films from this year. Rob D., there are some films to see. Father Trifini. Zine Waters, your favorite Peter O'Toole isn't Supergirl. <laughs> I, didn't, I think I had chosen to forget that he was in that because I've never seen Supergirl. Uh, Steven, do you honestly, do, do, do honestly, it seems like you had expectations for Oppenheimer and you seem let down? It, no, 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 no. It's not because, it, again, the film is Oscar bait in many respects. He, in the film, does a very stereotypical Oscar bait move of doing a very non-linear storytelling. In addition to, and it's not even just the fact that the nudity is there. The nudity is done in a very like, oh, it's so artistic. So it is, no. It's not that I went in with incredibly high expectations and was let down. It's that, the, no, the movie's just, it's a B movie. Some people are going to be drawn to certain things about the film, and I'm not going to deny that those things are there. There's some beautiful filmmaking. The The bomb sequence is very compelling. The drama, too. I mean, I definitely felt edge of my seat for, one, the lead-up to the bomb explosion, and two, even the very end, when certain things are being revealed about the characters, Great moment for Robert Downey Jr. and his performance in the film, too, by the way. But the rest of the film was just very, again, artsy-fartsy for the sake of it. And not really serving a genuine purpose. Let's see. Cthulhu says, I'm ashamed to say I like Cocaine Bear best so far this year. That is, Cthulhu, you let me down with that one. (laughs) I do appreciate you. Like, be kind. Cocaine Bear was awful. I wanted that movie to be fun. The, the premise seemed fun enough, but from the very get-go, I was like, oh. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, this is an Elizabeth Banks movie, so I guess it makes some sense. The only thing that I even really chuckled at was the beginning when the theme to Wet Hot American Summer started playing, because I'm like, oh, I get that reference. She was in Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, goodness. Kikane Rumsky over on Rumble says, I agree with removing the sex scene from Oppenheimer, but can we at least get movies back in the 80s with babes in bikinis? Come on! You know, again, that I, I'm, I'm a Catholic brother, so things like that in movies, it doesn't make a movie. If that's the reason why you enjoy a movie, I got, pro- I got questions for you. I got questions for you, man. Uh, Abomination over on Aussie. Multiple stars of Michael Keaton and Andy McDowell. 
and Michael Keaton and Michael Keaton and Michael Keaton. Very good movie with lots of silliness and pretty strong plot. You had me at Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton. Just ignore the weird science explanations. If the movie already has the premise or starts off with the premise that it's not serious, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. Like if a movie's a comedy, it's easier to forgive plot issues because it's not taking itself seriously. Abomination. Also, don't do what I did years ago and confuse multiplicity with the R-rated thrill Virtuosity, a very different movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. Let's see. I am Jamie asks, I think Barbie's going to hit 700 million to 800 million. Don't think it'll hit a billion, but it might. Brother, you have to remember, man, like by this coming weekend, it's going to get past 500 million unless the wheels fall off. And again, right now we just got Monday data to go off of and it ain't showing any sign of slowing down. So it, it's going to get to 500 plus million, which means for it to get to only seven to 800 million would mean it has a huge drop off. And that's not looking like it's going to happen. So as much as I would love to see it drop off like that, I, I just don't see how that happens. Let's see. Uh, Aquis Volt Tesis says, how's Battlefield 5 going for you? Thank you. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. I think I had that in the title of the video for an update. <laughs> so I appreciate. I bet he was like the one guy who's like, ah, you had Babylon 5 update. I need to know. So yes, I finally started watching Babylon 5 again. And just a quick update on the series. I will be honest. I actually, the further that the war against the, the war against the shadows has been going on, the more tedious it's gotten. And I honestly think my favorite part of the show so far has been pre-War with the Shadows. And I know that might be blasphemy because a lot of people are like, that's the best part of the show is, is the Shadow War. And th there's some really good stuff in there. Don't get me wrong. There are episodes, especially towards the end of Season 2, early Season 3, that I think are really, really good. But I just started Season 4. So we, we had the show end in Season 3 with... Some of the characters disappearing. And so now we're, we're getting into season four where those things are, I assume, are going to be explained. But I don't know. It just felt to me, especially the like towards the end of season three, where I think it is actually the last episode. You had several episodes actually where it was like Z minus seven days and it just kept coming and like it got very tedious. So I'm still enjoying the show. I just... And I go back to Londo. You all know, when I first started the show, Londo was my favorite character. What they've done to Londo, turning him into a bad guy, it just does not work with the actor and the character that's being presented. That is a comedic actor. That is a comedic performance. So for him to be like serious and evil, it just doesn't work. And I think that that is something that's still very much dragging me down from enjoying the show as I was in the beginning. My favorite moments were those probably the first season, first, second season, when you had just Londo being Londo, being, you know, an, you know, being a jerk, but also still being funny. His interactions with Jakar, I love Jakar. The one person I will say, the one character that has had an excellent arc has been Jakar, because even though I don't like how he's gotten to the place that he is, because a lot of it is the relationship between him and, and Londo. And how Londo has, again, just gone off the rails as just this evil, evil character. Um, at least the response that Shakar has given has actually led to a very good arc for him. It kind of reminds me a little bit, to give a wrestling analogy, more recently in wrestling, in AEW specifically, 
a character, Jungle Jack Perry, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. He was a face, right? You know, heels versus baby face, you know, as that's a wrestling reference, right? Heels are the bad guys, baby faces are the good guys. So you've got Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. He is the quintessential baby face. Everything about him is baby face. He, he's the son of Luke Perry and, again, lost his father not too many years ago, it seems, at this point. And so he's always been that person that people want to cheer for, that love. Recently, they decided to have him go through a heel turn where he's turning into a bad guy. And it's the worst thing they've done because he's not. Everything about who he is is a face. And so you hear him saying these terrible things and putting on the mean face, and you're like, I don't believe you. This just is not the way that this is just not the way that you're supposed to be when you're acting against character. That's like issue that I've been having with, with the character of Londo is that it's acting so much against what was initially established, um, going too far, you know, uh, cause he's always been morally dubious. That's always been the case. Um, but I don't know. I'm a little distracted right now because, cause one of my puppies is, uh, is, um, is snoring. So I'll go ahead and pull up the puppy cam. So, so there's Willow. She's not the one snoring, but she she is very cute and she is asleep. And then we've got, and then we got little River right there, in in the chair. Let me see if I can zoom in a little bit. So she, as you can see, she is also out. Oh no, you can't see because of the of the ticker. But anyway, she's also out, and uh, she's snoring. We like to say that she, <laughs> we like to joke that she has a deviated septum. We don't think that she does, but. Um, she's always snoring, even when she's awake, but not all the time. So <laughs> let's see. Frank G says, my favorite year might be missing, to be honest. I liked it a lot. Let down by Mission Impossible 7, Scream 6, Evil Dead. Mission Impossible 7 was fantastic. Again, box office was definitely not good for it or hasn't been very good for it, but um, let's see here. Do, 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 do. We are right about at time, so let me go ahead and get through these last comments before ending the stream for the night. Thank y'all for hanging out. It's been a lot of fun. Let me get through these last comments before we go anywhere. Uh, By the way, before I get through any of these other comments, I wanted to give a shout out to, I I just recently bought this and it just came in today, Uh, huge shout out to Chris Gore and Attack the Doc. Very, very good documentary. I watched this months ago. Very happy now to own it on physical media. I love that he is a big proponent of physical media. This is the ultimate collector's edition. So I can't wait to see the extra footage that's on here. Hours and hours, according to uh, Chris Gore himself. But it has commentary, deleted scenes, extended interviews, music video, etc., etc. And also came with an Attack the Dock sticker. So very happy that that came in today. So shout out to him. And then also... I will give a, a shout out right now to uh, Universal because they sent me a review copy of Kandahar. It's now available for purchase. Have not seen it yet. Recently digitized it, so I'll be putting it on my home server and I'll be getting back to y'all. Some people had recommended me watching this, um, but again, just in general, it just didn't seem that interesting. It just seemed like a very generic Gerard Butler movie. So whether it is that or not, I don't know. I'll find out though and I'll report back to y'all once I do. All right, let's get through these last comments. I want to make sure I didn't skip any. All right. Steven says, what's the best sampler you had at Costco? I don't go to Costco uh, anymore. I was a member for about a year and used it for a few things, but haven't really used it since. 
Uh, Orange Review says, if everyone keeps mentioning multiplicity, Odin won't be able to ki- <laughs> won't be able to get out of its head until he sees it. How dare you? I'm JMS. Is it me or I don't care for Sound of Freedom? Is it that good? Um, it's it's good. It's solid. It's a B movie. And honestly, it's it's a B movie, so it's a solid movie. But the message is significantly more important. It's a very very powerful movie. But yeah, it's not a perfect film. I think I think some people are promoting it as a as a you know, greatest film ever made. And I think that they're confusing the importance of the movie because it's one of the most important films. It is, I will say right now, it is the most important film of this year. Last year, What is a Woman was the most important film by far. This year, this is the most important movie. Um, But again, it's not a perfect film either. I'm going to be honest with you there. Let's see. Scavola, 1975, says, Ever seen Nights of Bad Astem? Not a good movie by far, but I loved his silly funness. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Zine Waters, the Babylon 5, in my experience, most TV shows stop being good after three to five seasons, usually season, uh, usually only three. I, I mean, I will say DS9, for me, it was great for the entire show. I loved DS9 last year. My wife actually was watching Babylon 5 before me. Uh, she had seen it for years before that I had. She'd been a fan for a long time. So she wanted to rewatch it just to remind herself of certain things, warn me of certain things. Um and so she actually got to season five and it was like hitting a roadblock. So she's not been able to, to get through season five. So if I'm already feeling this way in season, the very beginning of season four, I don't know. I hope that it, I hope that it picks up a little bit. Ekthulu says, wow, the bombing of Narn by Lando was brutal and emotionally amazing. But that's just the thing though, right? Is that it was only emotionally amazing because of one, the performance, the actor that's playing uh, Jakar is phenomenal. That is what makes it emotional, and that's what makes it moving. Lando, again, or sorry, Lando. Lando, you say Lando, I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it's Lando. Lando, uh, again, I, it's not even like that, oh, well, you just hate it because he's a bad guy, and you hate the bad guy that he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. It's not even that. I hate that they decided to make him into this when it goes against his character. And again, it's not even just like, oh, well, that's a surprise. No, I'm saying that there's a cognitive dissonance that just does not work. Just like the whole Jungle Boy thing. Let's see. Rabdi says, The Marvels hits $1 billion. We're really screwed. Yeah. I don't think it will because we all know, even though the Marvels is being pushed as a wham and power movie, comic book movies skew mail. And so, because of that, if they push that messaging, the men are going to reject it. Because at least, when it comes to demographics, at least men recognize crap when they see it not always but recently i can say that for a fact steven who are you rooting for to win the wf championship in hell and cells six man match oh my gosh that is a very specific question don't have an answer frank g i'm still waiting for owens no hard feelings review nope not gonna happen your editor says attack of the show attack the dock was great i would watch uh, i would watch it to unwind after work lots of fun oh attack of the show okay the actual show itself yeah yeah I never watched the show, so my first experience actually of the show, I did not know much about it until I watched the documentary, and the documentary did a phenomenal job, and uh, for someone like me, who had no knowledge of it, being able to explain those things. All right, so we are at time, overtime, in fact, so thank y'all again for hanging out tonight, still about 43 people watching, so I I appreciate y'all very much for your love and support. Bruce, yeah, I know it's you, I know it's you from YouTube over on Kick. Hanging out over there. <laughs> uh, but again, thank you all again for being here. Kind of a summary. I think that the chances of Barbie hitting a billion dollars are very likely. Based on the numbers that we're seeing right now, 
unless something changes. Obviously, things can change. But based on what we're seeing right now, it does not seem to be the case. And unfortunately, people are trying to do all kinds of mental gymnastics to justify the film in their heads when the reality is, is that, no, <laughs> you're, you're creating a movie that does not exist. You, you are loving and supporting a film that is not currently in theaters. It's a film that you've created in your mind. A brilliant film that, again, has not actually been presented to us by Greta Gerwig. Go ahead and look up the previous works of Greta Gerwig, if you want to get a better idea and mindset of who she actually is as a person, as a filmmaker, etc., as a storyteller. But even with all that being said, even with all my disdain and justified disdain for the film, I still got to call it as it is. And the film is doing very, very well and is likely going to, uh, again, have a good chance of making a billion dollars. Also, Babylon 5 gave that update towards the end. Again, thank you for asking me about that because I would have probably totally forgotten Babylon 5 has been, uh, again, been very solid, but unfortunately, I feel like I've kind of hit a wall with the show and a big part of it, I think, is just, again, Londo, to me, was my one of my favorite characters and I, I just don't think they handled his character arc very, very well. Um, but again, is what it is. Uh, go ahead and stay tuned. Tomorrow morning, we will have our Good Morning Asgard podcast, the final one of the summer, before I start back at work next week. We have meetings next week, and then the kids are back in two weeks. It's insane. That summer has gone by so so very quickly. So uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern time, we will have our last Good Morning Asgard podcast of the summer. I might be late. I Again, as I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, I'm going to be going through... Uh, uh, background checks that we have to do for school. We have a new system, so we have to go through the background checks again for the whole digital fingerprinting stuff. So I don't know how long that's going to take. I hope that it's very quickly because I got the first appointment of the day at 9. So hopefully I'll get all that stuff done and I'm back before 10. If not, I will be late. So the event should have been created. will will have been created tomorrow morning. But if I am at all late, that is the reason why. So if you are there early, just let anyone know that that's what's going on if I'm, for any reason, not there. Um, so tomorrow morning, that'll be the last of the Good Morning Asgard podcast. That'll be the last of the summer movie streams. Sorry, the, the last of the summer streams. So after that, we will, of course, have the Friday Night Tights on Friday. And then our Saturday stream, the Welcome to Asgard podcast, Saturday evening stream, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And then we'll be back at our normal schedule. Uh, Tuesdays and Saturdays, 7 p.m. Eastern start time. And uh, also this Thursday, before Friday, this Thursday, Chosen of Valhalla stream should be featuring... Uh, some members of The Chosen that have not been around in a while, and a new member as well. I think Zion Waters says that he'd be able to join us this month, which should be fun. And, uh, yeah, so that will be, technically, that will be the last morning uh, weekday stream, uh, but that will be this Thursday. Anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Here is, again, the puppy cam. We got River right there, still curled up in a little ball in my chair. And then we got... Little Willow right there. She's being she's being very, very cute as well. So you guys are amazing. Have a wonderful rest of your night, everybody. And as always, God bless.